Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. today just because he's worthy and he's good, so deserving of our affection and our worship today. So glad that you're here this morning. We'll be heading to John 15 here in just a few moments and just so glad that you chose to come and to worship with us today. If you're new to First Missionary this morning and we hadn't told you, we're glad you're here. Really, really glad you're here today. You're our honored guest and I hope that our folks have already made you to feel at home today. I would love to know who you are, uh, how we can connect with you in your life. There are guest cards, and they're located in each pew. You can find one of those, and you can give those to us at the end of the service today. We'd just love to know uh, who you are. And also, I want to thank you again uh, for your faithful and dedicated giving to the body of Christ. We cannot do what we do without the giving of the body of Christ and had a great day yesterday up here serving of starting to make some transitions between this facility and our new facility and we had so many people who came uh, yesterday and helped out and got a lot of stuff and Edward was here and we got a lot of stuff accomplished yesterday and are just so thankful for the body and and how you showed up and and came and helped yesterday and and we're coming down the stretch of our time here in this particular facility and I know it's a little warm this morning that's one of the challenges that we have here is with the heating and cooling system so if you'll fan just a little bit harder uh, we're a little warm up here so fan a little bit harder and cool us off if you don't mind uh, but just very very thankful for the body today and uh, three things that we pray three things that we pray three things that we hope for every person who wants to connect with the body of Christ here at First Missionary. Our prayer is that you will find um, fellowship, encouragement, and worship through our corporate worship gathering, like what we experience right here in this room with everybody who's here. We pray that you'll find a place there, that you'll connect there, and be a part of our corporate worship to see the church family as a whole, to see who's coming, who's visiting, who's looking for a church home, who's wanting to connect, so that you coming here at this point in time can see those folks and connect and and worship the Lord and be a part of the overall teaching ministry of the church as we try to move the body along together in unity. The other thing that we pray for is that you will connect to a small group, that you'll identify maybe a Sunday morning class, a Wednesday night class or ministry, or even a Sunday night connect group, that you'll you'll connect with a small group of people for closer and deeper study, closer and deeper fellowship. And we believe that that's really where you grow. That's really where you grow in the body. It's in that small group gathering of doing life with other believers. And so our prayer is that you connect there. And then here's the third thing that we pray for. We pray that you will come to identify how God has uniquely gifted you to be a blessing and to build up the body of Christ as a whole. He does that through our spiritual gifts. So our prayer is that you will come to find a place to serve, to minister, to use your spiritual gift, and to be truly a a contributing giving part of the body. We are all here today. We all benefit by what others bring to the table. And if this is your only experience or connecting point with us here at First Mission, we feel like there is so much more that God has for you. So we pray for those three things in your life today. Also, we connect as a body on Wednesday nights during the week. Uh, our ladies cook a fantastic meal every Wednesday night around 5 or 5.15. That helps to make it easy for families to come here to eat. But then we don't just come to eat. 
we come to grow spiritually as well. And so we have various women's classes, a guys' class, a class for youth, for students, all the way down to the nursery. Um, we have so many things happening on Wednesday night after we have that family meal together. And we just want to encourage you to come and to be a part of that on Wednesday nights. And the ladies, again, have a great meal planned for this Wednesday night. I hope you'll come and be a part of that. John chapter 15. I want to start this morning by just asking a very simple question. So what is your role? What is your role? You might be thinking about some immediate context that you want to put that in, but I'm asking in terms of big picture. Big picture. Why are you here? What is your purpose on this earth? What is your role? When I was in the eighth grade, I was in Miss Lassiter's eighth grade English class. And every year, by tradition and instruction, Miss Lassiter would allow the eighth grade English class to put on a play based on something we had been reading. So when I heard that Miss Lassiter's eighth grade English class, of which in my eighth grade year I was a part of, when I heard that we were going to get to do a play, I got really excited about it. I've always enjoyed theater and acting. I enjoy working with students even now in Vacation Bible School. We do the skit every year. I just, I enjoy that so much. I always have. So she allowed our eighth grade English class to select the play that we were going to do. And some of the outspoken students of the class suggested based on what we had been reading in terms of classic writing and literature, we selected Bram Stoker's Dracula. And guess who volunteered to be Dr. Helsing? Not me. My good friend Lauren, he was Dr. Helsing. I think I can't remember all the details of the play, but there was another girl in our class, might have been my first cousin. She volunteered to be somewhat of the damsel in distress in the play. And by the way, this was put on in the school library. I mean, we converted the school library into uh, the theater, and we did it for uh, the rest of the eighth grade, the whole eighth grade in the library. That's what we did. So, I was Dracula. In that play, I will never forget, converting the library into the place where Dracula lived and did all of this stuff, and we ran around and had fun and had somewhat of a script we put together. And I'll never forget Dr. Helsing finally, finally getting me. I'm looking for something with the through the heart, you know, and there in the library, I died a dramatic death that only Dracula could die. But I had a role, right? I had a role to do. My friend Lauren, who was Dr. Helsing, had a role to do. The other people who were a part of that, that drama and the great drama that unfolded they had a role to do, a part, if you will, to perform. And life has often been characterized as a great drama that is unfolding. Your story, your life is a great drama that is unfolding. And as you connect and relate to other people in your life, you will come to identify that various people come to have different roles, 
different roles in your life and you have a role in the lives of other people and you have a role on this earth. And just as it was in my eighth grade English class, as everyone kind of performed, if you will, in accordance to the role, then that put together this great drama that everyone else got to see and to enjoy and to experience. So the question is, what do you think is your role? What might be a God-given, ordained purpose that you have in your life? Now, when you come to John chapter 15, it's real easy to look at John 15 to read it on a surface level and then go, oh, well, now it's clear. As a believer or as a follower of Christ, and today, that may not be you. Uh, you might be here today, and you're still trying to figure out Christianity and, and what this thing is that's taking place around you. Uh, you might have been here. You might be here today by your choice. You might have come here today because somebody else invited you to come today. Uh, you might have been made to come here by uh, an authority figure, a parent, guardian of your life. I don't know why you're here or the purposes or, or what was instrumental in getting you here. But just because you're here doesn't mean that you would identify yourself as a follower or a disciple of Jesus. But when you read John chapter 15, a lot of people read it, they go, oh, this is easy. Here Jesus lays out the role or the responsibility of the believer. In John chapter 15, as much as it speaks to a vital aspect of our lives and our relationship or a potential relationship that we have with Jesus, as much as it points to that, and we're going to look at it today, the reality is it may not point so much to a role that you have in your relationship with Jesus as it speaks to the power of the role that He has in His relationship with you. And that's a very powerful understanding of this text. Again, not so much of what you might think is your role in your relationship to Him, but what is really his role in his relationship to you. So in John chapter 15, it's understood that Jesus is, is like in the upper room with his disciples. Again, these are one of those last conversations in the life of Christ. And in John chapter 15, verse 1, John records the words of Jesus. And what I want to do is I just want to read through it real quick and then come back and break it down. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the, for audience participation and interaction, my father is the vine dresser. Every, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he does what? He takes away. And every that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already interesting. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You are already because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse 4, this is where it really begins to take off. And this is where an understanding grows begins to really come into what Jesus was saying here. He says in verse 4, what? Abide in me, and I in you, as the cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you what? Unless you abide in me. Again, he says in verse 5, I am the a little weak. Just a little weak. If you were auditioning for Miss Lassiter's eighth grade English play, I don't know if I would give you the leading role. I am the, you are the, 
He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much what? He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what can what can the branch do apart from the vine? Apart from me, Jesus says you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So if we're talking about roles, a lot of people would read through verse 6 and they would say, well, oh my goodness, based on everything I've just read here, I need to get busy. Thinking about the end of the story here, at the end of this part of verse 6, where he says, if anyone does not abide in me, then he takes away or he throws away, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Does that sound like a good outcome to you? Do you think Jesus is drawing a positive picture of this particular branch that is described in verse 6? Positive or negative? Being thrown away, gathered together, and burned up. Positive or negative? Desirable, undesirable. Good outcome, bad outcome. Bad outcome. So what happens here, a lot of people will read this, and the next thing you know is they start thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get busy. Because I want to avoid that bad outcome of verse 6, so I need to get busy. And you know where they start. They start by saying, well, I need to get busy, first and foremost, in abiding. I need to get busy in abiding. So whatever it means to abide, I better figure out what it means to abide. I need to get busy abiding. And it's real easy to come up with various things, perhaps even spiritual disciplines, of things that a person can do that is perceived to be abiding. And then as they abide and abide and abide and abide, they get busy about biting, then what comes after that? Then they can expect what? Then they can expect fruit. And some will say not only this, not only do I need to get busy in abiding, but I need to get busy in producing fruit. And if you're listening carefully and closely today, that would send a red flag to you, even as I said it, I need to get busy in producing fruit. Fruit. So whatever the fruit is that God is looking for in our lives, I need to get busy producing that. And then, maybe at the end of the day, I will have abided enough and I will have produced enough fruit that He will look upon me as a branch, and by the way, as a side note, it's real easy that when you start focusing on abiding and producing fruit, that, that you perceive to be demonstrable or that's manifested in your life. Like, here's the tangible fruit here, and here's the tangible fruit. There, here's the tangible fruit here. There, that's the fruit, that's the fruit, that's the fruit, that's the fruit. And you do that in your life. It's very easy to get a point in your life if you're focused and you think your role is abiding and producing fruit, then to look at other people. And not only are you yourself now a fruit creator, but then you become a fruit inspector. And as a fruit inspector, you then start looking upon the lives of other people. And you start thinking, oh my goodness, is she abiding or not? And the people who get really good at what they think is abiding, and they get really good at what they think is producing fruit, they start going, oh wow, well now I've become the standard of that, and I'll look upon the other people's lives, and I'll go, oh, well I don't think she is abiding very well at all. How did you abide this week? Did you abide very well this week? 
what did your abiding look like this week? Oh, well, I'm just holding people now accountable, we say. Because I want to hold you accountable to abide. And the standard by which I'll hold you accountable to abide is obviously got to be something I feel like I've met in my life. Because if I haven't met it in my life, I'm not going to be bringing it up to you. If I haven't, if I don't feel like I've met it in my life, then I'm certainly not going to be bringing it up to you. And then we start inspecting the fruit of other people. And we say, well, after all, didn't Jesus say, you shall know them by their fruit? So I'll start inspecting the fruit. So whatever the standard is, or those actions are that I think is what it means to produce fruit, I'll start looking at other people's lives, and i become a fruit inspector. Is that what Jesus is teaching here? Is he setting us on a task or giving us a role to abide, to produce fruit, and then as an outcome of that, we become fruit inspectors in the lives of other people. No. That is not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus says in John 15, 1, and this is where we break it down. If you have pen, paper today, look in your bulletin. We'll provide notes for you today. I promise you'll get more out of this if you take notes and follow along. We provide them on the back of your bulletin every Sunday. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Anyone with an Old Testament background would know that so many times in the Old Testament, Israel like in Psalm 80, Israel would be regarded as the vine of the Lord, or even sometimes the vineyard of the Lord, the vine through which all the nations would be blessed on the earth. Israel. That's an Old Testament understanding of the vine. We also learned last Sunday that many times Jesus would take common life principles, and in this case, life in a vineyard, and vines and branches in the vineyard, common life things that everybody would know something about, and then he would give what kind of application? He would give some kind of spiritual application to that. So when he says, I'm the true vine, a lot of the people would already have an understanding of what vineyards were like because they lived around them in the Middle East. They would also have an Old Testament understanding, at least the followers of Jesus would at this point, they would have an Old Testament understanding that Israel many times was called the vine. The word for true vine here is Jesus is saying, I am the genuine vine. The genuine vine. And if you know anything about vineyards, you know that the life and the life source in a vineyard comes from the vine. And Jesus is saying, I am the genuine vine. I am the true vine. I am the genuine and true life source. And today... I would encourage you, if you are trying to find what is your meaning and what is your purpose on this planet we call earth, I would encourage you to consider that Jesus Christ is that life source through which you can find your ultimate meaning and purpose. That you might be looking in a myriad of areas and things to be involved in in life you might be finding your identity through so many things in life that the world offers to you. But until you find your life's meaning and purpose and significance in Jesus Christ, who himself is the creator and giver of all life, until you find your meaning and purpose in him, you will continue to live a life that doesn't have a significant meaning and purpose. Your significance will not be all that significant. So this is what this was Jesus' way of saying to these guys, your journey starts here. And it starts with me. I am the genuine, true life source. And then he identifies the Father's role in this vineyard that he's drawn a picture of. He says, my father 
is the vine dresser. So Jesus is the life. He's the life source from which everything finds its life and purpose. He says, my father is the vine dresser. And a vine dresser takes care of. A vine dresser takes care of the, the vineyard. Like a gardener takes care of a garden, the vine dresser takes care of the vineyard. It is, watch this, it is the responsibility of the vine dresser to take care of the vine yard. I just threw that out there because it sounded really neat. Vine yard. It's a vine yard, y'all. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about vine yards, okay? Vine yards, y'all. It is the responsibility of the vine dresser to take care of the what? Y'all can go out here and say, we learned a new word in church this morning. Miss Lassiter would not be very proud of me right now. Vineyards. The vine dresser takes care of the vineyard, what's happening in the vineyard. Then he says in verse 2, so he lays out the parameters. And he says, every branch in me that does not do what? Who is the fruit inspector? It's not you. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. God does not call us to be fruit inspectors in his vineyard. As soon as some of us will stop being fruit inspectors in the lives of other people, we will find a much greater relationship with Jesus and a much closer relationship with other people soon as we stop and drop the spectacles and the glasses of inspecting that in the lives of others. And I don't care if you call it holding somebody accountable or what you call it. A lot of people who want to be held accountable really don't want to be held accountable. And you'll find this as well. Did you know that holding somebody accountable is not a fruit of the Spirit? It's not. I mean, if you want to fast forward to this thing, then go to Galatians 5 and start looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know that church attendance is not a fruit of the Spirit? Church attendance. And by the way, this is not me trying to encourage you not to come back next week. I really want you back next week. But church attendance in and of itself is not a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that even what we consider to be, which is a really wonderful and great thing, even what we consider to be witnessing is not a fruit of the Spirit. Now y'all just hang on for a second. When you get too carried away with your amens, you might agree with something you don't need to agree with, right? As good as many things are in the believer's life, the fruit that Jesus is talking about here is so many things that oftentimes people don't even think about. Why is that? Because if you want to fast forward to Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit are matters of the heart that begin within a person and then they manifest, golly, then they manifest themselves outwardly. And first and foremost, the fruits of the Spirit are a benefit to you in your life before they're a benefit in the life of somebody else. So maybe some of you are fast forward to Galatians 5 even now to say, okay, what are the fruits? But listen to what he says. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes away. Automatically, we start thinking, oh, well, he's going to take it away to do what? He's going to take it, not bearing fruit. So he's going to take it away to do what? We go to verse 6 so many times, and we think he's going to take it away so that he can do what? That he can burn it. Did you know? This is one of those places in Scripture where we're at the mercy of the English language. And in the original reading of the text, the word for take away can also be translated as to lift up or to rise up or to bring up away, to bring up away, to bring up 
away. And you would think to yourself, why in the world would a vine dresser ever bring up and away a branch? It would bring, the vine dresser would bring up and away a branch because the branch is not bearing fruit. So as it gets down into the mud, as it gets down into the mud and into the soil, as it gets away from the sunlight and the valuable photosynthesis that needs to take place for it to grow fruit, as he raises it up, and if you know anything, about vineyards, you know that they take branches and they lift them up and they put them on what? They put them on trellises to get them closer to the life-giving sun and photosynthesis that they need to do what? To bear fruit. So it's not like God's coming along and God's going, well, you know what? You're not bearing fruit today, so I'm ready to take you away. No. There's a great possibility that what Jesus is saying is that when you are at a point in your life and maybe the fruit's not coming, I will lift you up. I will lift you up. I'll bring you up away from the circumstance of which you're not bearing fruit. I will lift you up. And I did not plan this. This is way too corny. I'll bring you close to the sun. Didn't mean that at all. That's just a corny pun. But I'll bring you closer to a place where you can do what? Bear fruit. So if your view of God is that God is walking around and inspecting people's lives so that any point in time He can look at you and point a finger and say, well, you're not bearing fruit today. Boom! I'm going to snatch you out of here as if God would take pleasure in burning you. What does God desire? He desires that branches bear fruit. Once it is cut away or taken away, then it no longer has the opportunity or the chance to bear fruit. But could it be that he says, I will lift you up away and get you in a better place where naturally you can bear fruit. Here's something else you've got to understand about this text. Nowhere in the text does it ever say that the responsibility of the branch is to produce or create fruit. That's the red flag that I said earlier that if you were really, really listening, you would have went, whoa, wait a minute. No. The source is the vine. The vine is Jesus. The branch gets its power and its source from the vine. It is not the responsibility of the branch to produce fruit. It is the responsibility of the vine to give life to the branch so that the branch can bear fruit. Bearing fruit and producing fruit are two very different things in your life and my life. Any of y'all having fruit trees? Nobody here? <laughs> well, there we go. In the springtime, when your apple tree or your peach tree is growing and fruit is coming out on that tree, do you ever raise your windows to listen to your fruit trees? Run it out. Or holler or moan because your trees in your yard are going, oh, I really need to create this fruit. No. It is a very natural process. And when they bear fruit, they do it naturally because of what kind of fruit tree they are. Does your apple tree 
produce pumpkins? Does your peach tree produce pears? No. The fruit that is desirable of whatever the tree is, it naturally produces that. Granted, there are certain conditions that help it to do it better at times than others. Make no mistake about it. Whatever Jesus is talking about here, fruit bearing is very different from fruit producing. Then he says this. Every branch that bears fruit, he does what? Translation says prunes it. Again, at the mercy of the English language, it is a word that has a variety of possible translations to this. And I want you to follow the text with me, please, and see if you can identify another possible way to read this. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may do what? That it may bear more fruit. And then in verse 3, he says, you are already what? You are already what? You are already clean. Did you not? That when he says that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. That word for prune is also a word that can be translated based on verse 3 and other contexts. It's a word that can also be translated as what? Let's read this again. You're being a Bible student right now. See if you can follow the text. You say, well, I didn't come to church to follow a text. I just came to listen to preach. Just watch. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already what? One more time. Every branch that bears fruit, he, the vine dresser, prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already, did you know, the word for prune can also be translated as the word clean. To clean. And that's basically what takes place in a pruning process. Pruning from, a cleaning from that which, which will hamper or hinder or cause undue weight or undue stress on the branch. And isn't it interesting that he says to these folks who are following him, you are already what? You are already clean. So a lot of people think, okay, well, if, I'm, if I have any chance of being a branch in the Lord's vineyard, then one day out there, he's going to prune me a very painful process of cutting me back to bear more fruit. And there is something to be said for how things happen in our lives. And, and when we go through hard times and difficult times, how things in life can cut us back. And there's sometimes that we need some of the excess junk of our lives. We need it cut away. Because so much stuff of life can just be distracting. Can I get an amen? There's so much of life that can just be doggone distracting. from any sense of purpose or meaning to my life. So easy to get caught up in things and stuff that's distracting. We're not saying that God would never take us through a season or even a painful process of cutting back. But He says to these followers, you are already clean. And that's a key. That's a key to the whole text. You're already clean. Because of the word which I've spoken to you. You say, what in the world does he mean by that? There's a good possibility. A good possibility. That as the life-giving vine spoke life-giving words into their lives that they believed in. There's a possibility 
that as these individuals heard life-giving words from a life-giving source that they believed Him. And they took Him at His word. Is it possible that as they heard the life-giving words, faith was awakened in them? And as faith was awakened in them, they were able to freely give their lives to Christ. And to say, you know what? For me to have any real meaning and significance of life, I need to find it in the life-giving vine. I believe the words of the life-giving vine. Therefore, I will connect. And I'll jump on board. And I'll believe. And to believe is to have faith, is to have trust. Listen to me. To believe is not a commitment or a dedication just to try harder that you might produce fruit in your life. To believe is to surrender and it is to trust. To believe is to surrender and it is to trust. So in verse 4 comes this invitation. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. What is the practical life principle, the common, ordinary life principle from what Jesus draws a spiritual teaching and principle upon? It's in verse 4. It's the simple statement, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. The branch cannot do what? A branch cannot. A branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. And if you can imagine with me, I think we have a picture of this. I want you to imagine with me how this thing would look in a vineyard. And this is that illustration of the hand-drawn illustration of the roots and the vine and the branches and the fruit. You identify the roots and the vine. You see in Jesus' analogy, he's like looking at a modern day vineyard and he says, here are the branches. Now, if you take that branch and that branch is not connected to a vine, that vine, if the branch is not connected to the vine, what's going to happen? Nothing. Zero. In regards to anything of significance and value. In a very natural way, the branch has to be connected to the vine. So that the life-giving source, which is the vine, can then flow through the branch. And when the branch is connected to the vine, and it receives its life from the vine, what comes out of the branch? Y'all still with me? Fruit. This is simple. This is not complicated. It's a very profound, simple, spiritual truth. That unless a person is connected to Christ, that person cannot bear fruit from Jesus. Question. If a branch, please stay with me. I know it's warm. I promise you may not be as hot as I am. If a branch does not bear fruit, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Maybe that's not the right way to put it. If a branch does not bear fruit, is that fortunate or unfortunate? Why would it be 
unfortunate. Here's a couple of things as to why it would be unfortunate. For one, the intended purpose of a branch is to live in a vital connection with a vine so that it might be fruitful. The intended purpose of a branch. The intended purpose of a branch. See, the branch has no identity apart from the vine. It's just a twig. It's not a branch. It's, it's a stick. It's a twig. The branch only finds a sense of identity in its relationship to the vine. Its intended purpose of being there is to be connected to the vine. As it bears fruit, it becomes obvious of its meaning and purpose. As the branch bears fruit, it begins to reflect what kind of branch and what kind of vine what kind of rootstock it's connected to. As it bears fruit, it becomes something that makes it beneficial to the world. It makes it beneficial to others. Listen to this. As it bears fruit, it represents and it reflects the life-giving power of the vine. As it bears fruit, it reflects and it represents the life-giving power of the vine. As fruit is produced and born out of our lives, it's a testimony. Not to how well you can abide or not abide or produce fruit. It is a testimony to the greatness and the glory of the vine that can take branches like us and do incredible things. The word abide simply means to be connected to. It means to be connected to. It means to live in. light bulbs ought to be going off at this point in time because now you begin to realize that as Jesus is talking about abiding, He's not talking to people who are already in Him. He's not talking to those who are already in Him because to abide means to be in Him. And guess what? As a believer in Jesus Christ, on any given day, no matter what your, your life looks like, you're not coming in and going out and coming in and going out and coming in and going out. Once you are in Christ, you are forever in Christ. Listen to me. John chapter 14. Jesus gives us the key. You just read verse chapter 14, but we get 15. It makes some of this stuff really easy. Listen to this. Are you, are you ready? This is before the cross. This is before the resurrection. And this is before Pentecost. And in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says of that which is to come, He says, I will ask the Father. Who's the Father? He's the vine dresser. He will give you another helper that He may be with you for how long? Forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. 
But you know Him because He does what? Because He does what? Because He does what? Did you see it? Because He does what? Because He abides with you. And will be for these guys will be in you. Why would they will be in Him? Because Pentecost hasn't taken place yet. But for those of us who live on this side of Pentecost, the promise of the Holy Spirit of abiding with us forever comes to those who believe and call upon the name of Jesus. Once you accept Christ, you're placed in Him and your life is not in, out, in, out, in, out. You don't ever have to worry about Him or you not abiding together. Oh my gosh. So many times, and there's more we'll finish next week, but so many times, believers hear John 15, and we're uncomfortable with verse 6. And so we ascribe a side meaning to verse 6, and now verse 6 just makes so much sense. It just makes so much sense now. And he's not writing to believers as if to say, well, you better abide today and you better abide tomorrow and you better produce fruit because today or tomorrow I might come along and snatch you up and burn you. He's giving a lifelong spiritual principle and he's giving an invitation for all people to come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? A job to produce fruit. No. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is my role in this relationship with Jesus? What is my role? My role is to trust. His role is to do things through branches like me. My role is to trust. His role is to do great things through branches like us. This is complete role reversal. And it's so different than maybe the way that some of us have been taught John 15 in the past. We'll conclude this next Sunday morning. Stand with us and we'll pray. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.